Good morning. How are we? Good. I noticed a lot of sniffles this morning. People dealing with allergies. How many of you struggle with allergies? Is that everybody? Me too. So if your head is kind of stuffy this morning and I'm sounding nasal, it's just really your head. All right, uh, that's great news, Mike, about Amy. So glad to hear that. Um, I was going back listening to four or five-year-old archives from Gateway and Robert Morris, and I came across a message that really spoke to my heart. And I want to just share, I've tweaked it a little bit, uh, uh, things that I felt like the Lord you know, had given me. But it's about worship. You remember when Jesus met the woman at the well, um, you know, he said that the Father desires us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking probably right up until Easter uh, or Palm Sunday, we're going to be talking about worship and what it means to, to truly worship the Lord. Uh, before I get into the message, though, I want to thank... Uh, uh, Anne-Marie and Danny and all of those that uh, helped uh, serve the homeless over the weekend, Saturday. If you were part of that ministry, if you'd like to just stand up, we'd like to honor you and recognize you. Uh, you don't want to stand up? Okay, that's fine. Thank you guys so much for your support and uh, helping out. We appreciate that so much. And, you know, that work wouldn't get done without volunteers. We appreciate that. A uh, little update on where we are. We're getting ready to have a new neighbor next door in the school. Um, Tara and Cantata Charter School is going to be moving in. And um, they are going to be our neighbors, and we're going to welcome them. Uh, that means, what that means to us is that space is going to be tight. And uh, so in our lease agreement with them, um, they need the sanctuary uh, for a gymnasium and we still need the cafeteria. And so we've uh, worked out an exchange where we get the cafeteria in two of the classrooms over there, uh, the two classrooms immediately across from the cafeteria. We have to share those with them, and then uh, they get to use the uh, sanctuary and the science lab upstairs. What that means in the long run, though, it's gonna be tight for us, so our board has decided to go ahead with the completion of this, many of you have seen this slab out here for years, but uh, we're gonna go ahead and complete that, uh, that uh, slab, which uh, will add about 5,000 square feet to the building. Uh, we have the money to get, I believe, get it in the dry, get uh, the, the walls up, the windows in, and a roof on it. And uh, so that's gonna start happening. We've, uh, we have an architect working on the plans our plans had expired, and so uh, we have to renew those, but those, we should be able to start that probably around June the 1st. Uh, that gives us three classrooms upstairs. Uh, it gives us another uh, larger fireside room, larger than what we have, that we, we'll have a kitchen in it, so we can do some of our food prep in there, and, uh, and it'll have the larger fireside room. We can have dining in there as well as in here, too. So. That's what's headed our way, and we're grateful for uh, God uh, opening up that door. Why don't you just join with me in, in a moment as we uh, pray and ask God to prepare our hearts for uh, 
receiving the word this morning. Lord, we pray that uh, you would help us to take every thought captive this morning. Lord, bringing it into the obedience of Christ Jesus. Lord, that we would cast down every stronghold and every hindering spirit that would come against us. Lord, we pray that you'd give us eyes to see, uh, ears to hear, and an understanding heart, Father. Not just what you're saying, what your word is saying to the church, the organized church, the body of Christ here, but what you're saying to us individually. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I mentioned from John 4.23, the scripture says, Worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father is looking, listen to that word, looking. The Father is looking for those that will worship him that way. I want you to know that, that God is looking in every sense the fall in the garden. Since that, that time that Adam and Eve, that, that moment, God has been looking, trying to redeem and, uh, and restore mankind. And I, know, I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way, but you go through four chapters of uh, Genesis, and every one of those chapters you'd never want to see man looking for God. God always initiates the conversation. Let me give you a couple of examples. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 8, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, where are you? Notice it wasn't man looking for God, it was God looking for man. And then the next question he asked, he says, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? That's Genesis 3.11. And the Lord said to the woman, notice it's God initiating the conversation. What is this that you have done? And so the Lord banished him because of their sin. God banished them from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And uh, Adam's name, uh, the root word of that is the same Hebrew root root word for earth. Adam was taken from the earth, just like Eve's name was taken from the root word of the living because she was the mother of all the living. Um, He drove them out of the place on the east side. And uh, that's fairly important. You know, it may not sound like much, but they were driven out to the east. Uh, I'll comment on that in just a moment. They were driven out on the east side of the Garden of Eden, uh, cherubim and flaming swords flashing back and forth to guard the way to the Tree of Life. And so sin broke the relationship that man had with God. And uh, again, God initiates the conversation. It says, while they were in the field, speaking about Cain and Abel, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, not notice that, you know, Cain didn't go to God and and ask to, uh, you know, for repentance or for for forgiveness. He says to your brother, the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? That's in Genesis 4.8. And then the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. And so Cain, again, because of sin, was driven out from the presence of the Lord. And he lived in, uh, in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, this is important because it was east of Israel that God called Abraham, up in the land of Ur, the land of the Chaldeans, uh, 
modern-day Iraq and Iran, Syria, all of those places were east. And God calls him from, a man of God calls him from Abraham, calls him down coming from east to west uh, to settle in the land of Israel. And so sin broke and separated the uh, relationship that man had with God. And it's not until the end of uh, Genesis chapter 4, notice what happens. There's a change that happens, and you probably have read this before, and it didn't really resonate with you. But it says that Eve gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another son or another child in the place of Abel since Cain killed him. And Seth also had a son. And remember, you know, the lifespan of man uh, that, at that time was about 900 years, plus or minus. Seth had a son, named, uh, he named him Enosh. And listen, at that time, not, we're, not, we're four chapters into Genesis, and it says at that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. It wasn't God just looking for man. But man began to seek God. And uh, this is hundreds of years after creation. And so, you know, the Bible says that the John, famous John 3.16, by the way, Lisa, I think it's your birthday today, isn't it? Happy birthday to you. God bless you. Well, you can clap for her if you want to. In John 3.16, it says, the scripture says, that God so loved the world that he gave. So he's, he's, he's pursuing. He's still pursuing some several thousand years later. It's God making that initial contact. Maybe he's visiting you. Maybe he's speaking to your heart today. Wants you to come back. Maybe you've drifted. But God wants us to worship him. It says, and we read in John chapter 4, that the Father is looking, the Father is seeking, some of your translations say, those to worship him in spirit. God is seeking worshipers. Uh, He was from the garden, and he is still today, seeking true worshipers. Now, worship, it's an interesting word, and it has a number of meanings, and typically when we go through what we just had before, singing songs, we will say that that was a worship service. But singing songs is not necessarily a worship service because I know that if you're like me, you have been mouthing those words, you look at them on the screen, and your mind can be, you know, on the ball game, uh, on lunch, on work, things that you've got to do after church. You can just be going through the motion, but your heart is not there. And God is looking for people whose heart is in it. He wants you to be in worship, into it. Not just going through uh, the motions of worship, but uh, he wants you to be a true worshiper. So worship is really defined like this. It is an expression of our love, how we express our love. And, you know, if it's love and it's not expressed, it's not worship. You're just singing songs or lifting your hands or bowing your knees. I can be on my knees and be thinking about, you know, a deal that I've got to do, a real estate deal. I can be lifting my hands and thinking about what I'm doing tomorrow, just going through the motions. It looks like I'm worshiping. On the outside, it looks like we're worshiping, whether we're singing, lifting our hands, or bowing our knees, uh, uh, you know, or crying out to the Lord. It may look like worship, but if our heart is not there, it's not worship. So um, let me just give you a, 
a couple of examples of this, that worship is love. And love is a choice. You know, we can choose to, to love. And uh, the, the scripture says that in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1, well, let me just back up just a second. I've got a couple of things I want to show you. Matt, are you ready back there? Let's do, I want to do the, uh, the video first. If you just kind of take out the lights and let's watch this video and then I'll come back and expound on it. become a bigger star than Carl Yastrzemski, Larry Bird, or Bill Russell. You go out with Tom and you just kind of feel sorry for him in a way, kind of, because he's just getting bugged all the time. You know, we, we float through there. They just see a big, overweight white guy. <laughs> That's pretty normal out here. <laughs> you know, but, the, you know, there's Tom Brady. I mean, everybody wants, to, everybody wants to be around Tom. Can you go out to restaurants? If I have the energy to deal with, you know, putting a happy face on. Sometimes I don't feel like that. Now, you seem a bit the reluctant star. Well, the problem is it's you can't have one without the other. You can't have the football fame and not the other stuff. So in a lot of ways, I've created this myself. <laughs> it's what you always wanted. You're right. You're right. It has. And I didn't think it came with all the other baggage, though. In addition to his success on the field and his sex appeal off it, there is also the $60 million 10-year contract to play with the Patriots. It's less money than Peyton Manning and even some journeyman quarterbacks are making, but Brady wanted to leave some money on the table for the Patriots to hire free agents to help them win another Super Bowl. I used to get $600 dorm checks and, and go eat Subway and use pizza cards to get my way through college, and eat baked potatoes and make pancakes every night. So I don't think that's ever been... A big thing for me. I mean, I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could ever make playing football. He's turned down multi-million dollar endorsement deals because he didn't think they were right for him. And many of the ones he's taken, he's shared with his teammates. Uh, you guys have to go everywhere with me. <laughs> <laughs> but with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings? And, and still think there's something greater out there for me. I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I love playing football, and I love being the quarterback for this team. And, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. Everybody waits for you now. Everybody waits for you now. What happens next? 
Okay. There's got to be more li more to life than this. I want to just play just a little clip from uh, a Stevie Winwood song. Some of you will remember Stevie Winwood called "Bring Me a Higher Love." You ready for that, man? Go go for it. Stevie Winwood saying there's got to be more to life than this. And, you know, I mean, both of these guys are incredibly successful. That was written, or that video was done when uh, he had two Super Bowl rings. He's got five now. And, you know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God has put eternity in the heart of man. That we're always thinking that there's more to life than this. And that higher love, you know, we say it all the time. Man, I, I love golf. I love pizza. I love, you know, Baskin and Robbins. I love all of these things. But deep inside, we know that there's more to, to life than just what we're living. And if we've never connected, if you've never connected with God, I mean that real connection with God, you know, you'll, you'll just kind of pass right through life and, and you'll miss the most important thing in life. And the most dis important decision that you can ever make in life is that decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's a, it, that is the decision of life. And going through life without it, you've absolutely missed life. You've missed the meaning of life. And so when we talk about worship, you know, worship can be defined as love expressed. And I just want to talk about love for a moment. You know, that as I said earlier, that love is the choice and and God commands us, you may find this interesting, but you are commanded to love God. Listen to this from Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charges, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. And then again it says, uh, later on in that same chapter, verse 13, And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commands, which I command you today, listen, to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all of your heart, not just here on Sunday morning. God is not just looking for Sunday morning worshipers. He's looking for someone that will take the message that you get on Sunday morning and go out and live that message all week long. He says, the Lord your God, if you, He says, it shall come to pass that if you earnestly obey me and obey my commands which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And then Jesus was asked something very similar. Uh, he answered from 
not Deuteronomy at chapter 11, but he answered from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. When one of the lawyers asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And so let me just tell you that there's two parts to love. You know, that uh, those of you that are parents, you know, you, you have that, uh, that baby uh, that's born that day. You're, you're in the hospital room. You see that child. You think, man, I, you know, I, we've been waiting. We've been waiting nine months for this child. And, and uh, here she is right here. You know, I've been waiting for that child. And you look at her and you just say, I just love this kid so much. Right now, I don't think I could love her anymore. But a month goes by, a year goes by, and you just think every day my love for this child grows more and more. So your love can grow. Love can grow. And uh, this is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter six, 30, verse 6. And you think, you know, you know, I know that we've all done this. We've looked around and, and we think, you know, I look at this person and it just seems like they have such an incredible love for God. How do I get to that place where I have love for God like this person has love for God? Well, the Bible tells us there's a way. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, it says, Love the Lord your God, and he will change your heart and the hearts of your descendants so that you will love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, that you may live. Now, that's a great promise to you that, you know, parents that, or grandparents that have children. Uh, I just want to encourage you that, you know, when you, when you look and you see someone that, you know, really is pouring out their heart and they're loving God, you think, you know, that's where I want to be. All you got to do is just say, Lord, your, your word says that you're going to change my heart. You're going to give me a heart that loves you in a greater way. But not only can love grow, love can grow cold as well. Many of you will remember you were standing there at the altar today, and you said, for better and for worse. But you know what? You didn't really mean that. Because when things start going south, you get mad and you get upset. And uh, we like the better part, but we don't like the worst part, right? And so uh, our hearts can grow cold. And so um, the enemy is constantly trying to punch a hole in your heart. And that's why it says in Deuteronomy, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then he talks about standing firm, standing your ground, belt of truth, uh, the uh, armor of righteousness, shoes of peace. But he goes on, he says, in addition to all of this, hold up the shield of faith that can stop the fiery darts of the, of the devil. The devil is tr constantly trying to poke a hole in your heart so that your heart will leak and you will lose, your, your love will grow cold. In fact, there's even a warning in the scripture in the last days that hearts of men will grow cold. And so we want to guard against that. Uh, over and over again, we see both Old Testament and New Testament. He says, above all else, above all else, guard your heart. Because the enemy is constantly trying to poke a hole or punch a hole or drive an arrow through your heart so that your love begins to grow cold. And let me give you a couple of examples of that. In Psalm uh, 137, and, and what happens what, when our hearts grow cold, and that's, that's uh, when the enemy punches a hole in our heart, you know, it can be through disappointment, it can be through hurt, it can be, you know, you, you know just life isn't turning out like you want it to turn out. Uh, 
You can be, um, you know, someone can a lie, make a lie about you, tell a lie about you. Someone can say a false judgment, make a false judgment toward you. All of these things hurt our heart. But here's an example in Psalm 137. And this is when the children of Israel had been taken into captivity. This is the first time that the entire nation had been taken into, portions of the nation had been taken into captivity by the Assyrians. But this is the first time the entire nation, uh, from top to bottom, all of Israel had been taken into captivity. And they were in Babylon. And he says, by the, uh, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors ask us for songs. Our tormentors, notice these words, captors, our tormentors, demanded songs of joy, and they said, sing to us one of the songs of Zion. But they said, how can we sing songs of the Lord while we're in a foreign land? So if you go into captivity, if, it, if you fall, if the enemy punches a hole in your heart, and say you sin and you fall and you've been taken captive by the enemy, it's hard for you to worship God. It's hard when you've been hurt. It's hard when you've been disappointed to bring true worship to God because your heart is focused on where you are, the circumstances that you're in. Even as Michael had said, you know, that you know, last week when they were standing up in the last month, they've been thinking about these things that, you know, while they were thinking about God, you know, their mind really was on Amy and her health and her condition. And then he realized that, you know, that God, this amazing God that we serve, is right there with him and was going to be with him the entire time. Again, we read in, um, in Psalm 142, it says, Set me free from my prison. Listen, set me free from my prison. What is your prison today? What kind of prison are you in today? He says, set me free from my prison. Why? that I may praise your name, that I may worship you, that I may bring true worship to you, but I'm in a prison, I've been taken captive, just like the verse that we read from Psalm 137, and it's difficult for me to praise God from this place that I'm at. And so, what Jesus say in Luke chapter, um, chapter 4, the first message that, according to Luke's gospel, that Jesus preached, he said that he came to set the captives free. And one of the reasons he came to set the captives free because he knows that in that place and in that condition, you can't truly worship God. Your mind is someplace else. And God is not just looking for Sunday morning uh, worshipers. He's looking for worshipers that will wake up every day and thank God for another day of life. Thank God for the air that you breathe, for the beating of your heart, for your wife or your husband or your children, those that you love, the job that you have, the roof over your head, and just give him praise and just lift up High praise to God. So, amen. So, we said that um, the second point we want to make is that love is expressed. Love is expressed. I'm going to go back to that scripture and I'm going to read it out of Genesis chapter 4 where we talked about men begin to uh, call upon the name of the Lord at that time. And from Genesis 4, this is from the New Living Translation. And it says, when Seth grew up, he had a son, and he named him Enosh. And he says, at that time, people first began to worship the Lord by name. You know, we're, we're some, you know, 900 years, you know, into creation. And at that time, men began to worship the Lord. So love, 
Our love for God has got to be expressed. And there are, I think, seven Hebrew words for worship. I think four or five of them are found, different words. I'll, I'll bring that next week um, or later on in this series. But this is from Psalm 95. It says, come let us sing. That's a form of worship. Let us shout joyfully. That's another form of worship. To the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. That's another form of worship. Giving thanks to God. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. Another form of worship. For the Lord is a great God. A great king above all the earth. And then Psalm 95. uh, Again it says. Come let us worship and bow down. Another form of worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people he watches over the flock under his care. And then in second, or excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter, uh, one, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 8, it says, In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God. And again, you know, you can lift up hands, you can be singing songs, you can be bowing, uh, and, and it may look like worship, but if your heart is not there, it's not really accepted as worship. You remember what, how Cain and Abel both, both brought offerings to the Lord, but one was accepted, one of the offerings was accepted, and one was rejected. And, you know, if our heart is someplace else, I mean, if I'm, you know, if I'm in love with, uh, and, and, you know, we can have idols in our life, you know, the children of Israel, God, you know, scolded them, rebuked them time and time again because they worshipped idols. It's something, and you know, we, we think, I'd never carve an image and bow down to it. I'd never do that. You know, but, you know, sometimes these other things in life can, can become idols in our heart. We'll talk about idols of the heart next week. But, you know, they can become idols in our heart. When we begin to think about and focus on, and it becomes front and center in our life, and we put God on the back burner, we're not really worshiping God. And God is saying, clear the table. I don't want to be on the back burner. I don't want to be second choice. I don't want to be plan B. I want to be number one in your life. I want you to worship me in spirit and in truth. Amen. Why don't you stand with me for just a moment. I want to pray with you. I'd like for our prayer ministers, if you'll just come up to the front. Uh, all, all of you that are involved in prayer, you feel a call to pray, just please come stand up in front right now. And uh, I want to, just with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, um, I'm going to just give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, maybe you've been coming here for a long time and you've never really received Jesus. And you just say that, you know, I believe that I put other things before God and he's not the most important thing in my life that my job is or money is or uh, my family is or uh, achieving great success and prominence in this world have been more important to me. I think about other things more than I think about God. And I want to receive Jesus as my Lord this morning. I want you just to raise your hand. This is just between you and God, nobody else. Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. I see four or five hands that have gone up. And if you just say, you know, you can just say this from your heart. There's no magic words. There's no magic formula. But uh, if you just say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that your word says that you died for my sins. And I ask that you would forgive me because I've created idols 
there are idols in my life, there are things in my life that I love more than you. And I'm asking you to give me a new heart this morning. Your word says that you'll give me a heart that will love you. And you'll give me a heart so that I can worship you in spirit and in truth. I'm asking you to give me that heart this morning. I choose to receive you as my Lord and Savior, the one who died for my sins. And I'm asking that you would take me and wash me in your blood this morning and purify me and cleanse me. I choose to place you first in my life. Your word says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, what things? Your money, your housing, your clothing, your job, your wife or your husband, your future wife, your future husband. All of these things will be given to you if we seek him first. Lord, help me to seek you first. For the rest of you that you know that you've placed other things in your life, you, you're a believer in Jesus, and you've placed other things in your life, and you need to get back. You need to get back to where you were the hour you first believed. And I just encourage you to just go up and pray with one of our prayer ministers. They want to pray with you remember as I said earlier in the message that you, maybe you came here this morning not really looking for God but I want to tell you that just like Adam and Eve and Cain he's looking for you he's looking for men and women that will put him first in their life and if you want God to change your heart it's just as simple it's a prayer away it's really just a prayer away if you'll just come and, you know, gather, get, you can get out of your seat right now and just go stand in front of one of these men and women. They'll pray with you and help you get back on the right track. And God is saying this this morning because he's trying to warn you, trying to warn some of us that you're, you're right at the edge of the cliff. And he's trying to prevent you from falling off. He's saying to just come come to me. I'm calling your name. I'm calling you by name. Just like going through the garden and think, Adam, Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? And I'm, I hear his voice calling your name this morning to come and let someone pray with you. Put him first in your life once again. We're going to close with this song. While we're singing, if God's moving, Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning. Hear his voice. Hear his voice calling you, that tender voice calling your name. No other name. He's not calling everybody. He's calling your name, specifically your name. Respond to that call.